1700s. And it's interesting, uh, the language is sometimes a little difficult to grasp. Um, We don't use a lot of words in our English vernacular. Uh, It is said and written that uh, Shakespeare used somewhere between 45,000 and 60,000 different words in English. The modern speaker today, we use between five and 8,000 different words. So we're not well-versed. We didn't we didn't gain more with technology. We actually lost more when we stopped writing with our hands and stopped reading books. So uh, an emoji is not a word, just so everyone know. Uh, and, uh, so, and I don't even understand half the emojis coming out. First of all, too small for me to, to, to recognize. It's a lot, little round yellow face, some expression. I don't know if you're crying or you're happy, shouting. What's the one with the mouth wide open? I don't know. It's it's not Halloween. I know that, but it's spooky. Uh, so if you get emoji from me, it will be a chicken, an Allen wrench, or the flag of Uruguay, and I'll let you decipher what they mean. All right. So in those books, um, reading through just a Bible verse uh, or reading a, a Bible that was produced in 1702, it's, the, the pages are very fragile. But something struck me with punctuation. And it has kind of lodged in my spirit. It was just a punctuation. And I found some commentaries that were much older than the internet. (laughs) Praise God. Okay, we'll get to that in just a moment. Matthew 1 and 19. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make her a public example was minded to put her away privily or privately. He is betrothed, or we could say engaged, to marry her, and yet she is found with a child. She, she's going to have a baby. And he wants to save her reputation. He is a, he's a kind-hearted man. He's somewhat older than her, uh, this was pretty common. Um, and she's much younger, like me and Tammy. Uh, I have birthdays and she lies about, I don't, she never says. I don't know how old she is. Uh, and this is a separation of age and yet, to him, to every rational person on the face of the planet, there is only one way you're gonna you're gonna be found with a child. You're you're gonna have a baby. This is it. He doesn't. There's not a judgmental bone. He doesn't. He's not. He doesn't want anyone to know. Maybe he'll pay for some journey to trip to be 
to be taken in some other location. He's thinking on these things. He's thinking how this can happen, verse 20. And what he should do. And, and there's a whole lot of things here that he, he must ponder. It's, it's a, it's a, these are difficult decisions. There's some hurt here. There's some bewilderment. And how could this happen? And, and while he's thinking on this thing, these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream. And in the dream, the angel said, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife. You need to marry her. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. There's, there's no exchange here. It's just, this is, this is what happens. And, and further reading, there's a, there's a command about what he must do. Um, so take her, marry her. And then you're going to be commissioned to do something in an important way. So I speak today on this subject for the record, for the record. Everyone said amen. Please just be kind to someone before you're seated and then you may be seated. Would you turn around to someone and just have a word of kindness? Thank you. One of our apostolic elders who had spent many years in the ministry, he was a, he was a quick-witted man. He was, had a, a knack for teaching, and he was a wordsmith. He was a profound teacher, really. And he was a creator. He, he created a lot of um, avenues for missionaries and but, of course, later in life, his health uh, taken a turn for the worse. In fact, I think that in some days, if I'm remembering right, his, his movement had a little limitation. And he started preaching at a very young age. He, he was telling Tammy and I about that, his young, young age. His mother actually had a boarding house for young boys. It was akin to an orphanage in those days, very close to where Tammy grew up in Boulgard Parish. And so he always had a, um, a, a passion for, for Tammy. He found himself in the hospital, and uh, I'm not exactly sure what happened, but he was unconscious there, and his family was gathered around him, and, and uh, they were all standing around him by the bedside, and they were singing the song Beulah Land. You, everyone know Beulah Land? Beulah Land, I'm longing for you. Someday on thee I'll stand. There my home will be eternal. It, it says I'm kind of homesick for a country to which I've never seen before. No sad goodbyes. It, it's a this is a homegoing song. It's a good song to sing. 
at the passing, at a funeral, at a memorial service, in a hospital room. I've sang a lot of songs at bedsides. And uh, they were just singing. And I, I, I don't, I'm not sure if they were crying, but they were singing. And there they all were, all the family gathered around at the final moment. And, and he woke up. And he heard them singing uh, and looked at all the family and he said, uh-oh. <laughs> he, he, he lived past that point. But if you're in the hospital, all your family's gathered around you singing Beulah Land and you wake up, and, uh-oh. disconcerting right there it reminded me of the interview of of a very angry wife she caught her husband he'd been cheating on her they were farmers she thought he was out in the field he was over at the neighbor's house yeah she grabbed his shotgun when she found out and the investigator came after it was all done and they said uh, the investigators said to her, okay, what happened? She described, okay, what was the last thing your husband said to you? And she said, he told me I couldn't hit the broad side of a barn with that thing. <laughs> if you're slow with jokes, please don't laugh next week. Ask someone to explain it to you later. (laughs) You're going to speak far more words than you will be remembered for. And chances are, people probably won't remember what you said. They will remember... Who you were or your disposition. You're going to speak thousands of words. You might even have some very profound things to say. But there's a a small chance that you're going to be quoted. In fact, you'll probably be quoted on things you wish you had not said. Uh, the, the high priest, Eli, he was remembered for some words that he said to Hannah. He's the high priest. He, um, he's going about the duties of, of the temple, but he's, he's, not, um, he's not a very proficient father. His sons are reckless and out of order. He, he doesn't manage his own home. And... Um, and besides that, he, he, he's become very insensitive and even brash. And he finds Hannah, who is always yearning and crying and, 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 and asking God for a child. He finds her in the temple and he assumes her to be drunk. He accuses her of actually of drinking. And, and the Bible says, of course, Hannah was, she was praying and 
And specifically, the Bible says that Eli marked her mouth, which simply meant he took notice of her slurred speech, her indistinguishable word. And he said, how long are you going to be drunk? Put away your wine from me. Go home. Don't come in here to this temple drinking and drunk. You go home. To which she replied, no, sir, I, I was simply pouring out my soul before the Lord. Now that is a word to remember. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. I have poured out my soul to the Lord. If, if you're going to be remembered for something, this is a good thing for people to recall. They, they said they poured out their soul before the Lord. Now, now Eli, at some juncture, I suppose he recovered at some juncture with, and he, and he, his accusation, of course, was born from a cold heart. He, he went through the motions of the high priest, but there was no, the Bible says there was no open vision. And there was, there was no word from God. And Hannah did have a child and brought that child Samuel to the temple because she made good in her word and now a very young Samuel is following Eli around and he was given to the temple work and Eli still had understanding of the Lord even though he did not have an open vision or he didn't hear from God. And one night God spoke to young Samuel, this young child and Samuel was not accustomed to hearing the voice of God. He had never heard that before. So, so when he heard a voice call his name, he ran into Eli's room. And he said, what, what did you need? What, what, you called me. And Eli said, oh no, I didn't call you. Just go back to bed. It happened three times when finally Eli realized that God called Samuel. And while I know about the indifference of Eli... And how his life ended, his failed fatherhood, his sons. I love the words recorded by Eli when he said, Samuel, go lay down. And if he call thee again, say, speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. Speak, Lord, I'm listening. Speak, Lord, nothing else matters but your voice. Come on, now practice that with me for a second. Speak, Lord. I'm listening. Come on, say it. Speak, Lord. I'm listening. I've turned everything out. I've turned everything off. I've closed everything down. You call me, Lord. I'm awake. I'm ready, Lord. You speak to me, and I'm listening. When was the last time you said that? You need to get back to saying, speak, Lord. I'm listening. I have a lot of people saying, I'm hungry, I need a word from God. Maybe you should say, Lord, speak, Lord, I've shut everything out, I'm listening. If you call me again, I submit to you that God has never stopped talking to you. That he's always talking, but we're not listening to him. You got a lot of noise, you got a lot of fans, you got a lot of music, you got a lot of media, you got a lot of work, you got a lot of ambitions, you got the cares of this life. And I say, he's been, speak he's been speaking to you, but you got to open up your ears and just say, speak Lord, I'm listening. 
And there are times when, when you need a word from God and you don't know where it's going to come from, but you just need to pause and just say, okay, Lord, I'll be quiet. I'll get off the phone. I'll stop asking people for advice. You speak, Lord. I'm listening. I lo- I'm glad you have a friend. I'm glad you have people in the church. I'm glad you have elders and teachers and mentors. But how about you push everybody aside w- once in a while and just say, Lord, you speak. I'm here. I'm listening to what you have to say. A couple years back, someone said, I really needed a word from God. So I started the listening to all of the sermons I could listen to. And I, at first I thought, man, that is so good. But you're going to find something there. But I, I want to tell you, the same God who spoke to the preacher to talk to the people, that same God can give you a Rima word right now in your situation. you got to pause and say, speak, Lord. If there is one thing that you want to be remembered for, you ought to be remembered for the guy who always walked around and said, Speak, Lord! That's right. Here's Revelation 12. I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. That's a mouthful. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him, the accuser, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto death. They overcame the accuser by the blood of the lamb And by the word of their testimony. And I'm not putting my testimony on equal footing with his blood. No, I'm not. But the Bible is clear that both are present in the equation. Both his blood and the word of my testimony are the means by which we overcome the accuser of our lives. Of course, if you read it in context, the last of the verse says that they love not their own lives unto death, which implies that while they overcame the enemy, they also died in the faith. You might die in this mortal body, but there is a resurrection to come. So sometimes you just have to say something out of your mouth that will defeat the enemy of your life. You ought to be known by something you say. You ought to be known. He's a holy God. You ought to just walk around and when it gets rough, I'm bathed in the blood. You ought to just say, yes, but I know, but I have the power of the Holy Ghost. When I grew up, the, the saints used to say, I spoke in tongues when the Holy Ghost came. <laughs> yes, when the accuser of your life comes, and he comes in many forms, you ought to say, yes, but I am saved, I'm sanctified, and I'm on my way to heaven. You can kill this mortal body, but I got something better than this. You ought to be known by something that you say. Of course, There are multiple 
words. I love Peter, the apostle Peter. He said so many things. He has allowed a million sermons over to be preached because of his unconstrained talking. I'll never deny you, Lord. (laughs) I'll never deny you. Followed by, I never knew him. It's a solemn oath. I don't know who he is. Never seen the guy before in my life. Then he preaches on the day of Pentecost. That has been re-preached for 2,000 years, millions and millions of times. Then Peter said unto them, Peter said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Peter said those words. Peter said those words. My favorite is the moment when Jesus is walking on the water and all the disciples are on the boat and Peter yells out, Master, if it's you, bid me come. And Jesus replies, come. Peter cast off his cloak, jumps overboard, starts to walk on the water towards Jesus. He's looking at the Lord. He's walking on the water. He's the only other man in human history that walked on the water. But the scripture says that Peter looks down. And when he looked down, or perhaps looked away, he began to sink. It's then that Peter cries out, Lord, save me! Here's the scripture. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And began to sink. He cried saying, Lord, save me! Because when you're in trouble... And when you look away from the Lord and you notice the conditions and you get your eyes off Jesus, you need to be known for saying something. Not some glamorous prayer. Not some intellectual thought. Not showing off all the things that you know and what you can say. Not prowess of mentality. No, you need to just say, save me, Lord. I need to be saved, Lord. Now, you might already be saved through the Holy Ghost, but there are times you need to be saved through the day. Save us, Lord. Save my family, Lord. Save me, save me, save me. I need to be saved. I want to be saved. I've got to be saved. If there's something that you need to be known for, pick one of these things. Why are you always coming to the altar? Because I want to be saved. That's the best thing you could ever do. Why are you keep coming? Because I want to be saved. I thought you were saved. No, I'm not saved yet. I'm, I'm in the process of being, I'm getting there. I'm going to be saved. I want to be saved from the wrath to come. I want to be saved from this wicked world. I, bo- I want to be saved from the mentality of the culture that, is, that has animosity, animosity rather, against God. I want to be saved from the ideas of this, of this corrupt society. I want to be saved from the vulgarity of the world. I want to be saved from my own flesh. I want to be saved from my own internal ambitions that are not of God. Save me, Lord. Don't ever think that you've come to church so long that you can't stand up and say, I've got to be saved. Save me, Lord. Sometimes you just need to stand up and cry it out. Lord, save me.
that's the reason why I love it so much because you've seen me walking around and around and sometimes I just, I just put my hand on my head and say, save me, Lord. You cry that out, somebody's going to say, well, I wonder what they did wrong. It's all right, let them say it. You did do something wrong and so did they. I tell you what they did wrong, they did wrong by wondering what you did wrong. They weren't paying attention to their own life. You just got to stand up and sometimes say, Lord, I need you to save me today. I've got to be saved. It may not be a specific thing, but you know I'm in this world, but this world's not. Don't let the world infect me. Don't let the world corrupt me. Don't let me think about other people. Don't let me think about, Lord, save me from noticing others' hypocrisies and ignoring my own hypocrisy. Save me from myself. How about this? Save me from my bad attitude. Pastor Andrew, are you in here? Is Eli in this room? Oh, good. A couple years ago, Pastor Andrew was praying for Eli, his youngest son. And Eli was praying, praying, praying. and Trying to repent, I think. Repenting. Little boy repenting. And Pastor Andrew realized he, Eli was needing some more words of repentance. So, Pastor Andrew, I've done this too before. You help people repent. I prayed for people and realized that they wanted to repent. I just start, Lord, forgive me if, you know, I said a few things. And then they would repeat that. I've made up stuff just in case they had done it. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how it's coming. Covering all the bases. <laughs> Eli, Eli is up praying and Pastor Andrew starts re- saying a word of repentance. Lord, forgive me for, you know, taking things that don't belong from me. I don't know what it was. But he got to one line and Eli opened up his mouth and said, I'm not repenting for that. I never did that. Ain't saying sorry for something I've never done. <laughs> you don't think you got a bad attitude, but sometimes you need to say, Lord, save me from my own spirit. Let me help you repent. Lord, save me from having a critical, rotten spirit. Judging everybody around me and not not thinking about what I need to get right in my own life so that I don't wake up one day and the rapture comes and I'm wondering how I got left. Repeat that after me 50 times. I I don't even know what I said, but just repeat something like that. Lord, forgive me of my rotten spirit. Forgive me of my bad attitude. Save me from myself. Because it won't be the devil that drives you to hell. And it won't be your neighbor. It'll be you. Save me from myself. I need to be saved. Lord, save me. I'm sinking. (laughs) Your words matter. What you choose to say, it matters. People are known by what they say. One of my family members gave me a book a few years ago, which depicted the words of people that marked their lives. They, They... they chose words with something of importance. They were weighty matters. They were not trivial. They were not haphazard. They were top two. I don't know who picked these things, but because I think Abraham Lincoln probably said some things that, that are more profound. I don't know. But he did say, and I quote, 
of the top 20 things ever recorded, he said, it's not the years in your life that count. It's the life in your years. It's pretty good. Mark Twain said a lot of things, but they wrote this in the book. The two most important days in your life are the day you are born and the day you find out why. Henry Ford, of course, the great entrepreneur that he was, he said, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. (laughs) History is littered with this stuff. They all spoke more words than these, but the ones printed are the ones that people remember. But I relay today the word recorded by Joseph, the husband of Mary. Now Mary is given the attention, and rightly so. I assume that every church is talking about Mary. Mary outlives Joseph. He will die earlier, It's proof positive that their age difference, notwithstanding history, tells us so. Mary speaks with an angel, and then again at the wedding of Cain of Galilee. She's she's there at the foot of the cross. We don't know what she said there. She's at the tomb. Mary's with the 120 people in the upper room when the Holy Ghost is being poured out on the day of Pentecost. The scripture does say these most profound words of Mary, which, which are some of my favorite of all time. It comes from Luke chapter 1, verse 38. She said, be it unto me according to thy word. That when the angel said, you're going to be overshadowed. The Jewish people say, that's the moment she was found a child of the Holy Ghost. That was the moment. Then there's what we commonly know as the song of Mary. She said, my soul doth magnify the Lord. My spirit hath rejoiced in God, my Savior. I won't read the whole thing. He hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. (laughs) I love this one. Jesus and Mary are at a wedding. It's a friend's wedding. The bride's father has run out of wine. And Mary is interceding on his behalf because... The value that he places in his daughter is directly tied to the food and the wine that, um, that is served. She goes to Jesus and she prods Jesus and says to him, they have no wine. He gently rebuffs her. But instead of making another request to Jesus, Mary simply turns to the, to the servants those men who are serving the Gaston, she says to them, whatsoever, pointing to Jesus, he saith unto you, do it. Whatever he says, do it. Don't hesitate, do it. Here's for the Harpole family. Whatever Jesus says, do it. Here's to the church. Whatever Jesus says, do it. Okay, what was pastor's whole ministry about? Whatever Jesus says, do it. Here's the unsaid part. If you'll do what he says, the impossible will happen. What you pour in and what you pour out 
will never be the same because the miracle comes when you do whatever he says. Turn to someone and say, whatever Jesus says, do it. Now that is a word you can live by. Mary has many great words recorded in the scripture, but Joseph, uh, he's left with just one, just one. And that by punctuation. Because while Mary is being overshadowed, Joseph has multiple other, multiple other tasks and duties. Now, Jacob once saved his youngest son when he was born. Rachel was bitter in childbirth. She had not achieved her life's mission, I suppose. Her beauty could not cover her empty heart. She had an issue with gods, with false gods. She, she didn't really accomplish what she wanted, I suppose. I, I, I don't know the angst. But while she lay dying, the young son was born. And she wanted to name that young son Benoni, which means the son of my sorrow. But Jacob stepped in, the father, because even though the mother was often given the task of naming the son, the father always has the last word. By Hebrew custom, the father always has the last word. He can change the name. The mother has a tradition of it, but the father can do it. And Jacob knew how important a name was. The blessing of his life was actually a name change from Jacob to Israel, from subplanter, from deceiver to someone who struggles or wrestles with God. It went from carnal ambition to spiritual ambition. So when Rachel said the name Benoni, Jacob stepped up, he stepped in and said, oh, no, 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 wait a minute. There'll be no sorrow over this young boy's future. I love you, honey. I love you, Rachel. But I won't allow your past disappointments to stain this son's future. His name shall not be Benoni. His name shall be Benjamin, the son of my right hand, son of my authority. Because daddy always has the last word. So yes, Mary was the mother and Joseph was his earthly father. But God in his omniscience and in his order, he did not bypass that specific role and responsibility of the earthly father. Are you still with me? If I talk... Silent, I mean, kind of just like this. Are you, can you pay attention to that? I feel like I, I might be helping you with your afternoon nap. It's okay, sleep on. That was also the words of Jesus, by the way. Never mind, it's, uh, it's in the Bible. Joseph will speak. <laughs> he will be given the task ordained by God before the foundations of the world began because our God is a God of order. He ordered the world in the book of Genesis, the galaxies, the stars. He, he ordered the construct of your anatomy, the careful balance of blood and water and sinew, flesh, temperature, every individual chemical and voluntary chemical release of your brain. It contains a minimum of 86 billion neurons function, neuron functions in the symphony. It's in, it's in concurrence without one initiated thought. You don't even think about it. It's just happening right now. God ordered the church, and he knows how the church ought to operate, even though modernism has destroyed most of that. He ordered the home in like manner. And to Joseph, he ordered also 
the name, the headship to Joseph. So just as Zechariah will name John, we know him as John Baptist or John the Baptist. And Jacob will name Benjamin. Joseph was given the distinct task and privilege to name the baby. And while I know that he spoke many words, hundreds of thousands of words, who knows? Maybe he read scriptures and had countless conversations with friends and family, with other sons and daughters. Joseph is recorded in the scripture as having said only one word. Here it is. Matthew 1, 25. And he knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Now, Hendricks and other commentators write that Joseph didn't speak. The the Catholic Church scholars call him Saint Joseph, and they write that Joseph did not speak. Literary scholars write that Joseph did not speak, except the older scholars write that, yes, he did speak, that on record he did. Now, in the modern translations of the Bible, the the Living Bible only uh, expounds on, on this point, but they only do it by punctuation. So, in the older manuscripts, this is the punctuation that I found, and this is the commentary that I found, but the punctuation, it looks like this. At the end of Matthew 125, there are quotes, Jesus, and the and the, I, I shouldn't call them ancient, but at least the older Jewish scholars and people who dissected this, they write, and I quote, For the record, there are no words recorded by Joseph except for the last word written in Matthew one twenty-five, which was commonly accepted as a spoken word. Thus, many of the former century Bibles commonly describe Joseph as speaking only one word in the Bible, Not that he had nothing else to say or that he did not speak during the duration of his rational and relational life. But that the canon only recounts a single word spoken by the husband of Mary. And the only word spoken was found in quotes. And that only one word that we ever know that he ever spoke was this word. Jesus. And you've got one word left to be known by. One One word that people are going to say that you always was talking about. Now that word could be complaint and anger and disappointment and regret. You could be known by being bitter, sour, always wondering why life is against you, always wondering why someone's getting ahead and you're not. Or you could be known by the one word that will matter. Because everything I said heretofore pales in the face of one word. I don't know what to say and I don't know what to do. But I got one word for my life. It's Jesus. I have one thing left to say. It's Jesus. You can put that in quotes. Listen, here is my disadvantage. My disadvantage is I know, I feel, and I understand your story. I know where many of you came from. I know what you're struggling with now. I know the things that are in your past. I know what's happening in your future because you've talked to me about what's going to happen. And there's angst, and there's hurt, and there's pain, and there's regret. And you can be known by anything you want to be known by. But I submit today, on the Christmas day, you walk around and say, I got one word left. Jesus. 
Jesus. What are you going to say? I'm going to say Jesus. I'm going to say Jesus. Here's Paul's writing in the book of Colossians to the church of Colossia. Whatsoever ye do in word or in deed. Whatever you do in word, if you're going to pray for your food, if you get around the table, you don't end your prayer and say, in the name of the Lord. You don't end your prayer and say, in your holy name. You say his name. You don't say, Father in your son's name. No, that's not the name. You just picked out two titles. When you get done with anything you pray about, you say, in the name of Jesus. And I submit, you start like this. Jesus, I pray that you would heal her body in Jesus' name. You cannot wear out his name. You cannot exhaust his name. You can't say his name enough. You've got to walk around and say, Jesus, Jesus. Listen, I know what the Lord was talking about in Matthew 28, 19, when he said, go teach, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. I know what he was saying. He was saying, listen, here are the manifestations of the Godhead, but it all boils down into one name. That's why when you go past that 28, 19 of Matthew, you'll find out that every time someone baptized someone in water, they baptized them in the name of the Father and of the Son and Holy Ghost, which they understood was Jesus. Jesus. They did not repeat in the name of the Father and in the name of the Son and the name of the Holy Ghost. So when I'm about to have a car accident, I don't recite all the titles of God. I just say, Jesus! First of all, it's not scripture. And secondly, I don't have time. And you don't have time. And so you got to walk around and say, listen, you got one word to say. What word are you going to say? What are you going to say? I'm going to give you one word for the rest of your life. What are you going to say? I'm going to give you one utterance out of your mouth. And what are you going to say? You're going to say, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He's in the morning, Jesus. He's in the afternoon, Jesus. He's an evening, Jesus. He's a midnight, Jesus. He's a Jesus in trouble. I was trying to govern my volume. Like every Sunday, I failed. You know, I, 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 I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, but I think it's probably more common than not to, for people to say things that, that they didn't filter. In fact, I think a lot of Pentecostals walking around saying junk and stuff and a mess, nasty stuff. Just Someone told me that if you're on the phone more than an hour, you're, you're now gossiping about somebody else because you're going to run out of things to say about yourself. And I said, is that true? Someone else said, yes, it's true, except some people can't stop talking about themselves. You'll never worry about them gossiping about someone else because they got a lot to say about them. 
Well, how do you know? Because they usually preface their conversation by saying these words. I'm not a drama queen. If someone starts the conversation with a preface, I'm not a drama queen. They are. I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, but we're saying a lot of nonsense today. Things that don't really matter. We're using our voice with forgettable words and forgettable language and throwaway conversations. Can I remind you, you are of God. You are the joint heirs with Jesus Christ. You are bought by the blood, sanctified by the Spirit. You have been given a brand new life through the power of the Holy Spirit. And you've been baptized in the only saving name. Now get up from this place and walk around and say, I've got limited things to say. And if you're going to remember me, remember me by this. Save me. Speak, Lord. Beat unto me according to the words. And if you run out of all that, you just say, Jesus. What do you have to say over that situation? I'll tell you what I got to say. I got one word for you. Jesus. What do you think we should do with our family? Jesus. You put Jesus back in that conversation. I put Jesus in that word. I know. I know you have more to say than this. I know you will speak more than that. But if you're going to be remembered for one thing. And even in the scripture, it's, it's hard to distinguish because it's hard to know that there's an attributing setup. Because Matthew 125 doesn't give an attributing setup. Like he saith unto them, or he said, or he spoke. In fact, the only reference is that there's a quotation marks. So it's a little bit obscure, and people can argue about this, but I poured over all this research, and I don't take the modern scholar's word, and I don't take the Catholic church's word, and I take, don't take all of these, but I'm looking back and I'm finding out, hey, those were quotes in there. There were quotes. They took out the punctuation, and the punctuation was indicative that he uttered that word. I didn't hear. He pondered. He thought about it. He had dreams. But the Bible only gives Joseph one word. I'm going to give you one word. It's going to last forever. What do you want to say? I'm going to give you one word. What are you going to say? Over everything in your life, you're going to say, Jesus. Put your hand right now on your body if you're sick, if you're hurting. In fact, if you know someone's sick, put your hand as an interceding person and just say, in Jesus' name, I pray for the need of that individual. Just say, Jesus, Jesus, he's the Savior, he's the healer, he's the Almighty God, he's the Everlasting Father, he's the Great Physician, he is the Prince of Peace, he takes away pain and depression and anxiety, Jesus, uh, Jesus, what am I going to say? I'm going to say, Jesus, what are you going to do? I'm going to do, I'm going to do it like this, in Jesus' name. How are we going to be healed in Jesus' name? How are we going to get through this mess in Jesus' name? How are we going to be delivered in Jesus' name? Now, we have been accused of being a Jesus-only church. I like it. 
go ahead and indict me. I am Jesus only because I know who the father was. His name shall be called the everlasting father. And I know who the son was. He shall bring forth the son and she shall call his name Jesus. And I know who the Holy Ghost was and I'll send the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost in my name. people of the name of the Lord when he comes back he's riding a white horse his vesters dipped in blood and there's a name on him and that name is Jesus I pray right now in the name of Jesus for all the needs of the people Lord the conflicts the issues the hurts the pains the mismanagement of life things that have led us into depression past issues, regrets, memories that we cannot we cannot get rid of complex situations that never seem to be resolved loneliness Lord I pray past rejection that still haunts us decades later I pray in Jesus name them all in your name in Jesus name we've run out of things to say there are no good words of counseling Lord outside of the spoken name your name so I say today Lord receive this (laughs) receive this Lord on behalf of all the people who are struggling I pronounce your name over their lives Jesus I speak and I utter your name, Jesus. It's the sweetest name I know. The darkness trembles at your name, Lord. The heavens bow before your name, Lord Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Forgive us, Lord, of saying all kinds of things that are not only unnecessary, they're unbecoming to someone who knows you, Lord, that knows your name, Lord. And I pray, Lord, forgive me, Lord, for saying all kinds of things. It didn't matter, Lord, but I just speak Jesus over that right now. I speak Jesus over that. I, your blood, your, your grace, and your mercy, I speak Jesus over the sick and over the needy of those that are watching. I speak Jesus. Let your name echo through all of the internet and through all the mediums, Lord, I pray. I pray Jesus over that. I pray Jesus over that. Lord, put quotes around my life and black out my own personality, my own image, Lord. Let let your name be spoken. I want people to know he's a Jesus name preacher. That's a Jesus church over there. Those are Jesus people. Just lift up your hands right now. You've got a lot of things you need to start talking to God about. You all start out saying, Jesus, I need you to know something. And now, and then when you get done with that, say Jesus. And in the middle, you say Jesus.
I wanted to, I looked up this verse again and just wanted to read it. I've quoted it many times. This is Romans chapter 10. I just like the first part of that. But, um, But the whole, the totality of Romans 10 and 9 is beautiful. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus... Believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Pentecostal church needs to understand this. We know what Paul preached. This is, I believe this is kind of the summarization. It did not, it did not disregard 1 Corinthians 15 or what he did in practice. But I think we should be able to say it today. I'm confessing, Lord, the Lord Jesus. I believe you got out of the grave. That your ending was not sealed in a tomb. And that you're going to save me. I confess Jesus today. Who will help me do that right now? If you've never done that, today is the day to do it. I'm confessing the Lord Jesus and I'm believing. Come on, lift up your hands and just say it. I confess the Lord Jesus and I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. I've got to be saved. Come on. Don't don't disregard it. Jesus. Jesus. This could be the day of your salvation for you to confess the Lord Jesus. I confess your Lord, your Savior, you're the God of my life. You're the Lord of glory. I confess you're the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God. I confess you're the resurrection and the life. I confess that without you, I am nothing. I confess that you are the living Savior. I confess that I've got to know you and I've got to have an intimate relationship with you. Amen. Amen. Jesus' name and Jesus' name. If it's appropriate, Grab a hand close by or a shoulder or an arm and I want you to just say a word of prayer over someone close by you. Don't don't be afraid to do that. I want you to pray a prayer of blessing over them. I want you to pray for their words, your neighbor's words, that they would speak the things of God. Pray this prayer. Lord, let us only speak the things which we have seen and heard. We're going to speak the things which we have seen and heard. The glory and the magnificence of God.